Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Kenny and Lady Chow Fung, and we're going to talk about Twin Swords, a 1965 film starring Jimmy Wang Yu, Ivy Ling Po, Ching Ping, and Tian Fung. It's directed by Chung Chang Wang. Uh, the The movie was uh, filmed in 1965, and it launched uh, Shaw Brothers' new Wuxia Century films, which included a trilogy that began with Temple of the Red Lotus, and this is the second film in the series, and it helped launch the new school Wuxia of the 1960s. The film is inspired by the story Legend of the Strange Swordsman. It continues the tale of the heroic couple Gui Wu and Gan Lianzhu. After they destroy the White Dove Temple of Red Lotus Clan, the villains decide to put an end to the Gan family once and for all. They capture Gan Lianzhu, forcing Gui Wu to return to her parents and beg for help. The whole family wages an assault on Red Lotus Temple, where they face a gauntlet of unforgiving traps and bandits disguised as monks. So, uh, what did you guys think? Let's start with you, Lady Chaofeng. I liked this movie. I, I thought it was rather enjoyable. Um, it was a, sim- a simple kind of story, but very complicated with the characters and the different people that were involved. And I had wish I had seen the first one, uh, Temple of the Red Lotus, first. Because that's just the way I am. I'm kind of weird like that. But um, I really enjoyed it. I liked the fighting, and I liked the booby-trapped temple and the fake monks. It was all cool. And yeah, for me, um, I enjoyed the movie, um, but it because it's the second movie in the series, and I've, I've not seen the first one, it did take a, a short while to try and figure out... Um, you know the the, the entire storyline there. I mean, yeah, for the first um, half hour, it wasn't wasn't really sure what was going on. There was lots of fighting <laughs> and uh, trying to learn character names, but then suddenly, like the entire Gan family shows up, and you have like thirteen more people you have to try and recognize. Not really sure which ones are important and such, but um, no, it was a great movie. Um, I really like how much detail they went that we went into. There there was a lot of attention to to detail here, such as like you know the the trap room and sort of the mechanisms there um and yeah i I, the plot itself um, is quite simple i mean it's a simple sort of rescue story uh, in in a a typical wuxia dungeon style thing but um it it was visually impressive and i like the cast for that it's really uh well it's got jimmy wang yu and nolay in it so it was a pretty impressive (laughs) as far as uh, casting goes a very young jimmy wang yu i think um, yeah. but the, uh, yeah, the, the, this one, I, I really wish they put the whole trilogy up on prime. I don't know why they're doing it this way because the first, if the first one was easy to get a, get a handle on and, and grab somewhere, it would be fine, but it's kind of tricky to get that one. And the third one, I, I don't even think like I have a copy of it, but I had to get it used and I haven't seen new copies of that movie in a long time. So I think, um, I, I don't know why they're putting it up that way. Uh, and I think it really does benefit, like, like this movie's good, but I think the overall, the trilogy itself is, is what makes this so great, is the fact that it is a three-part story. And un- unfortunately, it wasn't available, so we, we had to focus on, on this one. I do think that this is the strongest entry in the series, though. I think of all three movies, this is probably the one that I like best. Um, so, so, yeah, so I guess, uh, Dion, you had mentioned the traps in this movie, so why don't we kind of start there, because that's really what the main threat is, is the, the Gan family is wandering into this, this temple that's, that's riddled with deadly traps, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't know uh, what your thoughts on that were. I thought the traps were really cool. Um, 
and trying to figure out which traps, well, how not to activate the traps was very tricky until one of them figured out that, um, I guess this is a spoiler alert, that you had to step on the plain tiles. The fancy tiles were the ones that activated the traps um, to mm. kill them. But there was one trap where um, there were all these spikes in the ceiling. If you stepped on the tile, it fell down and um, pretty much poked a lot of holes in you. Yeah, and I think um, you know the one of the, my favorite traps was the ones on the stairs because I, I think that was you know in terms of um, sort of gaming sort of thing after you get through the massive uh, um, tiled traps you, you think you take a breathe you take a quick breather and you think oh everything's fine now so you walk up the stairs you wouldn't think that you know there's anything there but. Um, yeah, the, the trap on the stairs is like a massive guillotine that comes down and just slices people. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I um, that 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 was uh, quite a nice one, and I think the the fact that the, the whole temple was just everything was, was yeah they, they had all these metal doors that they just spring at a moment's notice to trap people in. Mm-hmm. Um, it it added a lot to the tension of the movie because once you sort of know that the the Temple of the Red Lotus has, has this massive setup behind it. You, you start to think that you know maybe the um, the protagonists are going to have a hell of a tough time getting through. I mean, not only did, like, we, we were shown a quick demo at the very beginning when the, the the monks are sort of introducing the the traps to the to their fellow uh, um, uh, conspirators, as shall we say, um, and you know they're like, oh, the, the, be careful of that. Be careful of here. There's a massive pitfall here. Don't step on those tiles, and then watch out for the the the, the nets, the snare trap. Buried underground. Yeah, and then oh, and then you have oh, we have people coming out from behind the walls to do this, and then we have metal walls here, metal walls there, and you know you, you start to think, wow, this is uh, this sort of setup would be very hard to escape. Like, and, and you can sort of. Yeah, it's very easy to understand why the the monks would have such a confidence in their death trap because it was as for all intents and purposes, like an uh, <laughs> foolproof, as they say. But um, as uh, you know, to, as we find out in the movie, it's not entirely foolproof. <laughs> Um, I think mostly it was due to the complacency of the monks, to be honest. Well, the monks are kind of lazy. They kind of are like, hey, we're just going to, we don't have to do anything. We got trapped. So we're just going to sit tight and we'll let them get killed. But I loved, uh, you mentioned how they introduced the traps. And that was one of the things I liked about this movie is that they, 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 the, at the, at the start of the film, the monks are, are explaining to, to the guys from the, who are coming from the other temple that the, the heroic couple have just destroyed that, you know, we just trapped the temple and here's all the different traps. And so you get to see each one. So before the heroes even get there, you know what they're facing, but the heroes don't. And it, and it, and it kind of like, it ups the stakes a little bit. It makes you more concerned. And also because they're willing to kill people in this movie, you, you know, it's, it, 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 it becomes like a real sort of, uh, uh, deadly place. And, uh, yeah. But, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it made it more suspenseful because I don't know about you, but I talk to the TV. So I'm yelling, don't step on the fancy yeah. tiles. And then, you know, someone steps on a fancy tile and then you say, don't step on the dirt. There's a net. And yeah. Someone eventually gets trapped in the net. It's like, oh, yeah. man. And the net is horrible because it's a net, but then they run in there with arrow men and just fill you up with arrows. 
And, uh, See, I, I thought that was a bit um, extra. I mean, they, they already had all these massive arrow traps set in the wall. Like, why could they just not automate the whole thing? Like, to me, that's an inefficiency in their process. And that's that a good be. point. <laughs> they, they, could have, they could have automated that part, too. Like, why they have to have the guy. Maybe it was, maybe the arrow men are better. And so yeah. they're like, well, More we accurate. can only have we can only have twenty arrowmen in one, you know. So so we got we got to pick where do we want the arrowmen? Do we want them by the net or do we want them in the main hall? And but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting interesting setup. But I do like how they showed the inner workings, of the traps too. Like when uh, there's a smoke trap that fills the hallway with the poisonous gas, and they yeah. they kind of show you like the inner mechanisms of it, and that there's a guy that actually mm-hmm. has to light the the smoke. So, you know, a lot of times in the movies, it just comes out of the hole and there's no, you know, you would just assume they're hand waving all the interior uh, parts. But this automated, is, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this, there's like all these little like things that they're pulling and, you know, uh, which become relevant when they need to uh, disarm the traps. So, yeah, I think this um, movie was a great setup. One of my favorite directors, well, probably my favorite director, um, Cheng Che, was. Um, actually involved in this and you know later he makes a movie called the house of traps which a lot of these traps end up showing up in that movie also um there's a golden trap and there's um a staircase that um can slice you to bits there's a big guillotine hammer that comes down so a lot of the traps were um from house of traps were definitely inspired by this movie but he, he kind of made them a little better because they were automated you didn't need to have someone behind the scenes pulling all the levers the once you pulled the lever in house of traps and the uh, traps were automatically set and they just did their jobs but i thought it was cool to see the transition from the from this movie the twin swords to house of traps that that would be a really good pairing actually this movie and house of traps that's a great movie and i think that together uh you, you know it'd be nice to sort of see the differences and uh and 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 uh it's just uh you know maybe maybe have we done that movie yet or is that something that we we haven't uh we haven't done that i want to save that kind of for um november when lu fung comes to new york mm. okay well, well, yeah we'll hold off on that one um yeah, they'll be interesting as well because i i think um in this movie because they have the human element it it made it solvable in a sense. I mean, in that mm-hmm. case, the, you know, the, the, all the heroes had to do was uh, take care of the people behind it, and and that made it all okay. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, resolve um, the traps in House of Traps. Then, because if it sounds, if it's all um, automated, um, then it, you know, it, it'll be it'll be different a way of resolution for the protagonist than, than how it's handled in um, Twin Swords. The uh, the um, the other thing too about this movie that I, uh, I I wanted to sort of get into is uh, um, the style of the film. Um, I was curious what you guys thought of the aesthetics because it's a little bit different looking I think than, than some of the later Shaw Brothers stuff. Um, I didn't, I, I enjoyed, um, the sort of design choices they had for everyone there. The clothes, they, they, they were, you know, they, they weren't particularly stand out in any way. The only one who really stood out was, um, the 
uh, Scarlet Maid, as it were. Everybody else was dressed in, you know, the, what you would expect for people in that period. They, they weren't dressed in any fancy way with like flashy braces or you know capes and all that sort of stuff. I mean, they were very, you know, they, they were dressed in regular clothing. And is that what you mean by difference well, in style? I meant like I mean... the, the hairstyle seemed a little bit different than you often see in uh, in wuxia movies later on. Um, particularly like the, the the women's hairstyles, and also oh the, the long sideburns. Yeah, the, well, not just that, but like something there was like a roundness to the and the and the women tended to have capes in this one. Um, so like Ivy Ling Po has a cape, and um, uh, 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 Ching Ping has a cape, and it just I don't know. It looked it looked kind of like it looked really classic to me, like the style of the of the clothes and the hairdos. Uh, um. Oh, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with you on that. Um, be, def, definitely with the men, the men typically would wear, didn't wear their hair in a bun in the later Wuxia movies um, on top of their heads. But in this one, all the men did. And I thought that was kind of different. And the little girl, especially her hairstyle is a lot different than what you normally see with the um, two little buns on the side and the back mm. out. Um, usually you just see, um, you know, maybe one bun at the top with the rest of the hair, like, out flowing. But, yeah, I, I noticed that, too, that their hairstyles were drastically different. Well, not drastically but different, but I, definitely different. I feel like there's, like, slightly older production codes or something going on. Like, I don't know exactly what it is. I just know that when I see this movie, it looks different than movies, like, two years later. Um, and I, I think, a, I think a lot of it is subtleties in the clothing that I'm just not adept enough to really sort of describe, but, uh, well, but the yeah, clothes don't... don't seem as embellished as in later movies either. Like they're, it's not, they're not as fancy or highly decorated. They're more plain and simple. Yeah. But the, and there's also like there's a lot of singing in this one too. Like I mean, in some you see that in wuxia movies, but this one is a lot. Like there's like at least three or four songs that kind of give you exposition on uh, on what's going on and, and maybe what happened in the last film. And and so it has it, you know you saw that a little bit of that in Come Drink with Me too. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, but it's just really pronounced here, and so uh, so just the, the the feel of the film feels a little bit more. Uh, classic to classic people. yeah yeah it's more practic isn't it i mean in, in come drink with me the scene was used as a um a story device to uh, convey a message but in this case the singing is purely for narrative reasons uh, to explain mm -hmm. to the viewer what's going on and and you know despite the fact that you can see really see what's going on already i think it's just the um the scene's just there to yeah, just help help anyone who's sort of missing any key points or not sure what's going on type of thing, which it's it's nice. I mean, I, I enjoyed the singing part. It's uh the the vocal styles. I think I can comment on a little bit. It's a little bit unusual the harmonies they used. Uh, it was all very very. It's more layered than. Uh, well, I think they use a lot uh, of polyphony and um. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, I mean, I like it. I, I like I like the sound of it. Um. But I think it just gives it gives the movie a feel that uh, that you, you just wouldn't you wouldn't really see it much today, um, and you wouldn't even really see it a lot in like the seventies and stuff. Um, but I think I, I don't know it just it just has like a texture. The whole movie has like a feel, 
Um, and may maybe part of it is I'm also responding to the aesthetics of the first movie as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like the, I like the hairstyles in this and the clothing and all that. I think it, uh, I think it works. Um, and I feel like it's like a, just a distinct look from some of the stuff that comes down the road. Um, I just had a, a thought there for a second, maybe because all the women in this movie are married, are married and the, all yeah. usually in the wuxia movies, mm. they're single maidens. So their hairstyles are going to be different to represent their um, marital status anyway. So maybe that could be it, too. That, that could have been a factor. But I mean, I feel like I've seen a lot of movies where the women have been married, too. And I didn't have the same reaction to like the styling that was going on. Um, but I don't know, you know, if we, if we, if we ever get to the other movies in this series, we should, we'll, we'll have to make a point of focusing on some of the, um, some of the hairstyles and stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess, yeah. um, the, uh, and the other thing too, that I, uh, that I like about this movie is, is the grandma. I think the grandma is like a real, a real tough cookie and, uh, an interesting character. And I didn't know what your, uh your reactions to her were. I liked grandma. I thought that, um, like you said, a tough cookie. She, there were rules. You had to stick to them. You had to follow them. And she didn't care who you were. That's just the way it was. Even if you were her kin by blood, you had to follow the rules. And once you were out, you were out. And it took a lot of convincing for her to actually even agree for them to go and, attempt to save her so but i like the grandma she was she was kick-ass though i liked her <laughs> yeah i can yeah i can appreciate where she's coming from i mean you can't you know manage a large family and have it grow it to the power which is which the gun family is implied to have um you know by being soft on uh, all the members right you have to have rules and have a hierarchy and you know and when the rules are broken, then people have to be punished. Or, you know, if people have left the family, then yeah, they should, you know, be left to fend for themselves. Even if they are your great great granddaughter or great granddaughter, I'm not sure which, uh, um, which uh, Andrew was. But um, I, I, I like the character. I mean, she she shows like what what um, the, the metal that a a a person would need to lead a family. Uh, to prosperity, and I can appreciate, yeah, you know, the, uh, the the fact that she could throw away her great granddaughter, uh, yeah, you know, for for the sake of, you know, because she was the only one who sort of raised concerns about uh, um, this possibly being a trap, and that they're leaving the, the whole family away, right? Yeah. And which was actually mm -hmm. really true, because when when they all went to rescue Lanju, um, the Red Lotus Temple sent other men to burn their entire fortress down, and right. No, that was, and, 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 and it's interesting, too, because in the first movie, you get to see how much the, the grandmother dotes on her and how much the grandmother actually likes uh, Jimmy Wang Yu's character, uh, Gui Wu. She's, she's really fond of him when he first shows up. So, uh, you know, so it's an interesting sort of, uh, you know, she's still kind of like a very hardline person, but, but, uh, but in, the, in the first movie, she's kind of a little bit softer towards him than the father. And, uh, but after, after uh, they leave the family... And because of the family rule, you know, it's like you're not, you can't just come back. And, uh, and they're pretty, they're pretty set in that rule. And, uh, it, you know, it, but like you said, like, she's right. Like there is, there, 
they're being set up for a trap and she's and she's appropriately cautious perhaps and i i think one of the things that her hardness kind of gets at in the movie is that these are grittier times where you know um like where, where you even have like the whole thing where where uh where uh where the granddaughter um was it Zhao Ling uh the the little girl where they they give her a sword and they're like you know she's tagging along and you think they're going to send her home but they're like oh no you know maybe it'll be good for her she'll she'll learn a thing or two when you know she comes to comes with us to sort of kill people at the temple and uh and and it you know it seems like in the in in a in a setting where you have like this martial world where people just show up that that would be a useful skill. Oh. Yeah, and I think speaking of um, Xiaoling, I was quite impressed uh, in the scene where she uh, uh, rescues the family from um, the falling rock trap, basically. Uh, yeah, she, she does the whole sneaking on the wall and then yeah, following a guy down a lift. <laughs> yeah, she uh, was pretty impressive in this movie um, for her to be a little girl. She wasn't like overly silly or, you know, like bratty or anything. She was, I think she had wisdom uh, for I mean, her years. Yeah, I mean, she was like, you could, you could definitely tell that she was, you know, soft compared to the older generations of people in the Gun family. But, you know, just from the way she treated um, uh, Wei Wu, you know, after he's kneeling out there and uh, how she's always trying to, you know, um, beg the grandma to, to go save. Uh, uh, Lianzhu and stuff, but then you know she gets when she gets there, you know she she killed three people. Like, yeah, you know, well, I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but um, she slaughtered three people and then cleaned the sword on the bottom of her shoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah that... I mean... she cut off a person's hand in that scene. She she yeah. chopped off an yeah. extra hand. Um... She was awesome. I mean, I don't think well from her hairstyle, I don't think she would have been old enough to marry like. Not even fourteen. She had to be younger than fourteen. She, yeah, she's just a little kid, I think. Because um, she, I mean, she's a cross between like Shirley Temple and like, uh, you know, like like a like a roaming swordsman. Like she's she's <laughs> she uh, she's a very unusual character. I think this is one of. The, I, I mean, I don't know, but this is a, at least the, one of the earliest um, movies I've seen where they have a kid doing that kind of violence. Um, you know, like 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 cutting off hands and things like that. <laughs> But uh, but in the first movie she's just like a sweet little kid, and in the second movie, uh, they give her a sword and you know, uh, it's a, it's like a surprise midway through that this kid can can kill just as easily as some of the adult characters. But um, I mean, I feel at some point, it, 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 yeah, so the, the the credit also is then due to the uh, was it the fish gutting sword or the fish yes. intestine yeah, sword or whatever. Yeah, fish intestine <laughs> sword. I think fish gutting is maybe what they were going for. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> Yeah, because I I think you know in normal circumstances like you wouldn't expect like I think if she had a normal sword she would not have been able to fend off the three men in that room like with, with the ease that she had because I think it's just that the, those people didn't expect her to be able to cut through their weapons and you know chop through their hands I I I, I feel like yeah the surprise factor also helped her there yeah. yeah. But I was all, I've been wondering about that. That's one of the questions I always have when I watch this movie. How much of it is the sword and how much of it is it that she's like just been trained in this Gan family where they maybe from an early age she she's known, you know, various swordplay styles. And so I, 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 I tend to agree with that. I think the sword is supposed to be a big part of that. But um, but also like in the first movie, you see um, 
you see the Ching Ping character, uh, uh, Lianzhu, uh, is, is, is on her wedding night, her mom take, makes her go out and train in the evening. Um, so she gets married to Jimmy Wang Yu, and then she, she has to go out and train with her dad that very night. So, so I, I, I get the feeling that the family is very sort of like, you know, up at 6 a.m. training martial arts kind of a kind of an arrangement. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting character. And uh, it's just interesting that they that they uh, that they go that direction with the kid, like, you know, midway through the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I think yeah, going back to the grandmother there, uh, you know, the, the, gran- the grandmother was actually pretty impressive martial arts wise, like given how old she would have been to have seen like, you know, this is what the fourth generation, Shaolin was like the fourth generation down from her. So, you know, she's, she's probably getting on in the years, but yeah, she, you know, she was able to fight all these men and fend off all these traps of, you know, without breaking much of a sweat most of the time. Yeah. It was only when the final, um, his final boss in game times showed up that <laughs> that she had sort of a bit of struggle there. Oh yeah, that's um uh the the the, the evil master at the end that Jimmy Wayne U has to get revenge against. Uh he uh yeah, he well he was he was meant to be one of these ferocious over the top villains, I think. Um what what did you guys think of him? The final villain? Yeah. Did he show? Did he? I, I, I couldn't quite remember if because I, I only managed to watch the movie once. So I don't know if he showed up at any point earlier in the movie, or was that the last appearance, like his only one? Um, I don't think he showed up earlier in the movie, and I don't. I don't believe he was in the first one. I, I rewatched the first one last night, and I didn't notice him. It's possible I was dozing off or not paying close enough attention, but I'm pretty sure he just kind of shows up at the end. Um, I could yeah, be wrong. I actually love how arrogant he was. <laughs> yeah, he sure exactly was like, I, I know that this is probably part of his kung fu, but though he just stuck his chest out. He's like, go on, then hit me. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was a, a pretty funny scene. Like, yeah, they, they called it his qigong, right? But uh-huh. <laughs> just the, the way he puffed himself up, like, a, you know, like, like sort of the wild animals do when they're trying to be threatening, right? They just puffed themselves up. He puffed himself up, and he was also like reclining in a week. Like, he had this weird like manner yeah. dance or something yeah. i don't know it was just strange he was yeah he was kind of an odd guy and uh he didn't seem at all concerned and then uh but that that final battle too i i i kind of like the way that it plays out i like how and i'm going to spoil it for people who haven't seen it but ivy ling po just kind of taps him and he's frozen in place and then she goes off to talk to the gone family and it's kind of this it's like a really weird it, like the momentum in that scene is so strange to me, but because it's so strange, I find it interesting. And, uh, and, and then, you know, Jimmy Wang, you gets his revenge and slices the guy in the chest. And, uh, and that's the, that's the moment you've been waiting for since the first movie, by the way, because in the first, but I film, thought that was so weak. You th- okay. No. Why'd you think that was weak? Because she had just tapped him and it was like, well, he's not going anywhere. And then he just stabs him in the chest and it's like, there was like no real battle or, but, you know, to pit them against each other to see their true strength. But that's what was so funny about it. That's why I found that so entertaining because normally there'd be this huge battle and she just taps him and then she just walks over and starts having a conversation with them. And then, and she's like, okay, now, now, uh, uh, go and kill him for your parents. And he goes over and he, he gives his speech and he kills him. And it's like, it, it just doesn't follow any pattern that I've seen. So it, 
As I was saying, like, I, I, I feel like I agree with the, um, the Chao Fong there because normally, yeah, I, or to be fair, she also mentioned um, not 20 minutes ago to that scene that um, Gui Wu should take his own revenge, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that he should tra- and then at the beginning of the movie, it was like, you should train yourself and then get your own revenge. Well, you know, she was passing these messages on, telling him what he should be doing, you know, get stronger and then you can take your revenge on your enemies. And then she hands him to him on the silver platter. Exactly. Hands well, it to him. I, I will grant you that. But also, she's maybe learned that she's been a little bit too uh, too rigid with him because look at all the people who have died as a consequence of her sort of being aloof and and uh, and and hovering over the situation rather than getting directly involved. Um, but she. Go on. Oh, go on. Go on. But. But she created the Mandarin sword technique for the two of them, for um, Jimmy Wang Yu and uh, his wife in the movie, based on their styles and how they work together. So I was thinking that that was what they were going to do at the end of the film to kill the boss. So when it didn't happen, I was let down. But remember, there's a third movie. There's a third movie that we have to get to. So I know, so they, but they, I wasn't. Like, I, I think it's doubly, doubly disappointing for me because I know the title in Chinese is the title in Chinese is like the Mandarin Sword Heroes, basically, right? Okay. <laughs> the Mandarin Duck Sword Heroes, and then yeah, you know, and and you know, when she hands the manual to um, Nanju, I was like, oh yeah, that's the that's that's the thing. They're gonna take it, they're gonna learn it, and they're gonna <laughs> have their revenge. Uh, but it's completely irrelevant. This movie, nowhere after off, off of that scene. Was that, you know, the, the Mandarin Duck sword manual mentioned? See, I agree with 100% of what you guys are saying, but I just found that so delightful that it was not, like, like that I was getting set up for all those things, and then she just taps him and walks over and has a con- I don't know, something about that that tap, and then she's talking to them. It just se- it seemed like a... Uh, I don't know, it was just so funny to me. Um <laughs> I have to say that that scene was brilliant in highlighting just how superior the um, Scarlet Maid was in comparison to everybody else on, on the scene. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 she, I don't think she even took the um, the head monk, you know, seriously at all. Yeah, you know, she was just playing about with him, and then you know, when when he started, when 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 things started to pick up, she was like, "Nope, it's over. I'm just gonna tap you." Yeah, I'm just going to tap you in the acupoint and then start talking to my family members. <laughs> what, what's so good about that scene to me is that he's just frozen in place the whole time and you can see him in the background as they're having their conversation. And just something about that, just, I don't know, I just find it so amusing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, she's, she's, she's almost, the problem with the Scarlet Maiden character is almost that she's so good that it's kind of hard to like really involve her in the plot too much because then, you know, she can just easily tap the villain and kill him. Um, but uh, she, she, like, she would be the Deus Ex Machina type yeah. thing that would happen if if the main characters were in the pinch, and then you know the Scarlet Maiden shows up. I mean, uh, from from what it sounds like, that's exactly what happened in the first movie as well, right? When yeah, she, she shows, shows up. up well, her... she shows up from the the periphery and like throws her darts to to fend off some of the bad guys. So yeah, that's. Uh, it's kind of what they have her doing throughout the she's this looming presence in the movies do you know what i mean she's like this thing that's sort of in the background uh i don't know she's kind of like um she's that kind of character like you know she's she's she 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 is potentially plot disruptive she's so powerful 
Um, but it's Ivy Ling Po. So, you know, it's, a, um, it's a, it, she's a very, uh, I, I don't know. She, she, I think she's a very memorable character, but, um, but also what they're doing in the, with the, the whole thing with the, the, the Gu Zheng and the, um, and, and the manual, they're basically setting up for the next movie. So, you know, they're, they're, they're it's, uh, they're, I think they're trying to keep the, the series, uh, you know. They didn't out. name the movies correctly. I mean, <laughs> well, I guess I guess in fairness to none of us have read the source material either, so I don't know how much. Sometimes, sometimes the movies are just you know limited by what uh, the source material is, and if if this is sort of how things end at that point in the story, and I'm not sure if they do or not, uh, that just might be what they were doing. Um, yeah, what's what's the third movie called then? Uh, the the Sword and the Loot, I think, is the name of the third movie. Okay, I've seen the third movie. It's a good movie. Um, I haven't seen it in a while. It's been at least a year since I've seen it. Um, yeah, but I remember enjoying it. I remember enjoying the second and third movie the most out of the series. Um, and I think this one is the strongest because it's got so many horrible things happen to the Gon family this this episode. It's kind of like the Empire Strike Back of the trilogy. And and it's just got that. I mean, somebody even loses a hand, and and uh, even though it's a bad guy, ah. somebody loses a hand, and uh, you know, and and there's and there's well, a relative a reveal. Guy. There's a there's a relative reveal. There's a you know, I am your auntie scene in uh, in this <laughs> yeah, one. So it's, so it's very Empire Strikes Back to me, and uh, and and so I think and it's just it's just the darker of the of the three movies. Uh, and the third movie I remember quite liking as well, but it ha- it goes in a much different direction because obviously a lot of stuff has been cleaned up, uh, you know, in 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 this movie. So, but uh, and it, oh, go ahead. Um, no. But uh, but yeah. So um, and what else was it? Uh, Oh, did we did we did we dis, uh, discuss the um, uh, the 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 misunderstanding that led to them being uh, sort of having a problem with the Gon family, where uh, Jimmy Wang Yu wasn't allowed back into the residence when he goes to get help? Did did we kind of cover that detail or? Uh, I don't no. think we did. Um, not on the podcast, anyway. Okay, so. So just to just to sort of you know go over that the, uh, the, the you know one of the one of the plot elements in this one is that at the beginning of the movie uh, uh, Lianju is is captured by Temple the Red Lotus and and uh, 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 Guiwu has to go back and and uh, to the family to beg for help and the reason he has to beg for help is because in the first movie they 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 left the the Gan family and had to go through this gauntlet of aunties that they had to fight in order to get out. And they basically uh, left by because they left the grounds of the family estate. They were considered no longer part of the family. And so when he goes back, that's why they're um, they're so hostile to him. And the the reason that he left in the first place was he thought that that the that the Gans were were bandits. And it turned out that uh, they were really. Uh, disguised as bandits in the first movie in order to reclaim property that had been stolen from somebody else. And so there was this sort of core misunderstanding that leads up to uh, to a lot of the conflict that's going on in this movie. Um, but I just I just didn't know if we, we had covered that. 
but uh, but yeah, so yeah, I, it's it's pretty important because uh, it it explains why you know that there's so much discussion and why he had to kneel outside for like three or four days or whatever to try and get help because. Yeah. Yeah, it's the equivalent of having left a sect and then coming back to Arsenal for a favor type of thing. You know, it probably wasn't really done, right? So it, it makes sense why you know, the grandma was so sort of hard on that because you know, they're no longer part of the family. They they fought their way out. You know, they, they got the freedom they deserved. We're not going to mess with them. They shouldn't mess with us type of thing. Which uh... well, and the um, uh, and, and I think the, the the whole the whole thing like in the first movie, Jimmy Wayne Yu's character is not like the weeping mess that we see in this movie. Thank this, God. Yeah, yeah, in this movie, he's crying almost the whole movie and begging for forgiveness. And in the first movie, he's he's a lot more sort of you know uh, confident and and uh, and I don't I don't think we really see that many uh, you know sort of you know scenes where he's on his knees asking somebody to forgive him. And and so yeah, it's it's, it's definitely he's definitely a weepy mess in this movie. I think. Uh, I, yeah, I that like makes very... sense. Oh, go ahead. Go ben, ahead. Okay. I was just saying, like, if it makes sense because it feels like every decision is made and since the first movie, then would have been, like would, would sounded like it was a mistake, you know. Yeah. Other than getting married, obviously, it seems like one of the best things that's happened to him. But you know, him choosing to leave and then um, trying to rescue, and then starting the fight with people that could potentially, you know, he if it wasn't for the red uh, maiden, uh, red uh, scarlet maid showing up. Uh, um, in the final scene of the first movie and or the beginning of the second movie, then they would probably have died trying to rescue those women, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, yeah, I think they would have. And uh, and also the other thing is he's not as good of a swordsman as his wife. And so that I don't know if that's quite clear in this movie, but in the first movie it's pretty apparent. Uh, I thought know. it was obvious. Okay, yeah, I, did. yeah. I, did, I didn't know how... Because how, in the first movie, like, they, they, they state it pretty explicitly. Um, but yeah, so, you know, he... Not only is he kind of a weepy mess, but he's he's you know he's not he's maybe not like as you know he becomes more competent by the, by the especially over the course of the third movie, but uh, but but in this movie he's still in a very sort of uh, early phase of his development as a martial hero. Um, it's quite refreshing to be honest. I mean, we I, I've grown used to seeing Jimmy Rangu in his aloof, arrogant sort of roles, where he's you know got this like menacing pose all the time, like and his you know just his his body language is all is always of one of like supreme confidence and arrogance. But this one, you know, it's a complete yeah one eighty there. You know, he he he's you know. He is trying his best, but you know his skills don't quite match up to his opponents. Uh, his wife is better than him, and you know and his wife's in trouble, and there's nothing he can do personally to save her, and he has to go begging for help, which is uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, it's. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say it. It's definitely interesting. It made me think of him as even a better actor because he's playing something totally opposite of what I'm used to seeing him as, but also it also made me more uncomfortable to watch him weeping so much. Mm. I don't know. It was just, I don't, it was just really strange watching him weep and beg. Well, I th- I think part of it too gets to the aesthetic stuff I was talking about. Cause I feel like not only is like the look really more classic, but I feel that the acting is, is maybe, I don't know, maybe an older style or something like there's like there's more reaction shots in this one like people will really you'll really know how somebody feels about something do you know what i mean like they they, you'll see like somebody kind of go like whoa like that and and uh and i and and so i think some of the crying was uh 
was was to make sure people understood that you know right. the situation. Um, but to me, it was over the kind of over the top. No, I agree. I but like, know. if you look at like the aunties and the way that they were acting too, like the mm-hmm. there was the, they were like like a lot of the I, I feel like a lot of the the mannerisms in this movie are, are a little more exaggerated than uh, than you see in some of the Shaw Brothers movies after this. Um, uh, do you think it's, it, it feels exaggerated because the camera has to linger on each person to sort of tell you what their 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 expressions are at that I, point, rather yeah. than it being like one person's protracted crying scene or whatever? It's like everybody has a, has a little shot, and then that sort of mix add up to and the whole scene becomes a little bit awkward. I think so. Yeah. I think I think also the way that the I, I feel like the actors in this are being very they're very cognizant that they're on camera. Do you know what I mean? And like, even like, like when Jimmy Wang Yu is moving around on camera, like there's something about the way he's moving that feels very deliberate and every, it feels very sort of like, like, I don't know, just like everybody's kind of self-aware somehow. Um, it, it, just something about this movie feels very different in that respect to me. Uh, but I don't, you know, again, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know enough about, you know, Chinese cinema in that period to know, you know, what the reason is and, 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 uh, but I just, can, you can just you just watch this and you know there's something different about it um but uh but yeah so i don't know um any any other thoughts on on the movie in general yeah um i yeah i really wish i could have seen the first movie first i think it would have added to the enjoyment of this movie i think and yeah, if possible, I'd probably want to see the third movie more than anything else because I find you want, I want to see what the, comes out of the Mandarin duck sword technique that you know the <laughs> art has painstakingly created for them. <laughs> well, and unfortunately, that's the harder movie to get. I think I, it took yeah. me a long time to track down the sword and the loot. Maybe they'll hopefully with all these new uh, sort of uh, streaming services and stuff that Celestial Pictures seems to be doing. This is a movie. This, I think this trilogy it would make sense for them to kind of. To, to to draw attention to it and release it uh you know so that it's at least available to purchase uh because it, it's a it's a really interesting it's a really interesting uh series of movies but it's also just notable for being an actual trilogy so um yeah because i'm definitely looking forward to seeing what 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 happens with the loot in this case uh it's been introduced as an ultimate weapon of mass destruction type of thing yeah. so <laughs> just see, seeing what happens with that i mean yeah we've we got a simple premise of well it's like all of the rings you have to bring the goddamn loot to <laughs> mount doom and get it destroyed basically which right? <laughs> gonna the, the sword the sword's gonna yeah. gotta destroy it um yeah, you will not be disappointed in that front. I think, at least, it, it definitely the 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 loot becomes relevant in the next movie. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, Lady Chaofeng. Yeah, I like this movie. I just feel like I'm kind of stuck in limbo because I didn't see the first part. So until you explained what happened in the first movie, I was kind of unsure about some things like um, why. Uh, Gao Wu's, uh, why he wasn't so liked, but I understand it completely now. His swordsmanship compared to hers is so low that I wouldn't have allowed my daughter to marry him. And then he sneaks out while the father's away and takes her, even though he did it the right way and 
fought the aunties. He still did it when the dad wasn't home. So that's a second yeah. strike against him. Well, so And the reason he did that um, was because he knew that he thought it would be easier to fight the aunties than than if the father was there. So that's why he picked the yeah, so Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but yeah, like Kenny, I would really like to see the third one to see what happens with the loot and the swords. And I'm just kind of let down by the way that the final scene, final fight played out. So now I really want to know what happens with the technique that the aunt developed for them. Yeah, and I, I don't know why they put it out. This, like, it doesn't make any sense really to, to just put out the second movie on the streaming service like that. And so... I feel like it must be very confusing for people if they happen to check it out. But um, I think that uh, it would have made more sense to put the Temple of the Red Lotus out and then, you know, and then people could see that movie and then they would uh, um, they, they, they'd be able to try to track down the other two. I do think this is the better of the three movies, but without the context, it's a little bit odd. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll have to lobby Amazon to, to, to get the other two movies up. Um, and, uh, it's, it's not even like, uh, uh, it's not even easy finding synopsis of the, uh, of the other movies, actually. Um, Temple of the Red Lotus you can find, but even the, the third movie, there's not really a whole lot out there on it that I've seen. Um, but it's, it's worth, it's worth watching if you can get it. Um, I think I had, I actually had to get my copy on eBay when I, when I ended up finding mine and it was pretty used. Like, so... So you don't, if you do try to track down these movies, don't bank on them being pristine. I think uh, the first movie is easy enough to find new, but after that, it's a little tricky. Um, so yeah, so I guess uh, we're coming up on 45 minutes, so I'll, I'll end it there, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back on next week. Um, I think I know what movie we're doing, but I don't want to say it because I don't want to jinx it. Um, but we're going to do a very special movie next week, and I think uh, it'll be an interesting discussion. So we'll uh, talk to you later.
Yeah.